listening to For the Love of God Pod. For the Love of God Podcast. Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. Okay. No, this isn't your mama's Christian podcast. And tonight you're going to see exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah? yeah. Oh, really? Well, we're here with Joshua K. Smith again. Welcome back, Joshua. Hey, thanks guys for having me. Absolutely. Folks, welcome back to the show. Welcome to For the Love of God. This is Jason. I'm here with Rick Nathan and, of course, Joshua. And we, tonight, are going to be talking... Who's Rick Nathan? Rick Nathan? I don't know. <laughs> we're going to be talking about the metaverse. I want to start learning how to meet your mic faster. <laughs> Maybe just turn it off. Maybe just... <laughs> uh, the metaverse. It's going to start um, happening. I'll, I'll show up at like 5.30. Like, yeah, we were supposed to be here at 4. You know? <laughs> we, yeah, we just finished. We just finished. Well, it took you so Thanks long. for coming. Um, yeah, the metaverse. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, new, uh, what would you call it, entity. He's uh, changing Facebook, too. Um, and so we invited Joshua back to the show to discuss this because he is our, I mean, he's the guy that wrote the book on AI and robots and, and this and that and the other. And the metaverse really falls into that very well, um, the whole virtual reality and, and AI and everything involved. So we definitely wanted to get his viewpoint and take on the matter. Um, yeah, because I think if you've written a book, you're an expert, right? Isn't that? Yeah, I mean. You're, you're now considered an expert? It was expertly written. Expert, yeah. So, so we'll All see. Right. All know. right. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't feel like an expert. So, um, <laughs> Josh, have you, have you what, what, what have you heard and, and what's your thoughts on the whole meta? Yeah, so Facebook, um, as we all know now, is a very wealthy company. That's putting so, it lightly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just look, never mind. It's, it's strange to me, the timing of all of this, right? And I think it's kind of built into my predictions about AI and robotics with as COVID has continued on since 2020 and uh, myself and other pastors, we feel like 2020 never s- stopped. Like we're still there, you know, yeah. and that's um, why we're calling it 2022. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think it's like this perfect storm, so to speak for tech companies, especially like Facebook and others that have already established a, a foothold in our life to now like what's what's the next practical step for our company and so now you know there's no more land right you're not gonna i don't think we're gonna colonize mars uh you know and so i think it's it's a practical way to to sell digital space um it's a way to to profit off people and i also think it's a, a plea for power in some ways and then zuckerberg and others have like petitioned to be a part of uh, the UN and, and other things where like, this is just so absurd that you, you think that you're so important that you are a political entity. And now, I mean, Facebook is it's about politics, right? And um, even with the Trump campaign and others uh, administration, they use Facebook and Twitter uh, maliciously, right? And uh, there was 58 million U.S. dollars spent on Facebook ads to to cut out certain voters' uh, demographics. And so it, it is a medium, right? It, it's, it's a medium, and however we use that medium uh, for, for vice or virtue depends on us. But I think this is another step. And in the, the metaverse, um, which by all means is not great, right? Not, um, it's, it's, not, it's not cutting edge VR, so to speak, okay? It's, it's a, a very early, I mean, it, a lot of the VR stuff doesn't look any better than what we saw in 90s video games, right? It doesn't look that amazing. There's no killer apps yet. Yeah, I mean, it'll get better. I'm sure it'll get better, um, and I'm sure more people will use it. But even even in church life, um, Facebook has a, uh, a lady named Noah Jones. Nona Jones. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But anyway, she's the... Um, faith-based partnerships at Facebook. Uh, Facebook's trying to get into the spiritual realm, uh, has been for a while. Um, there's virtual reality church and, and guys who are, are leading that. And, and so I don't know, I think, 
think that's those are some interesting aspects we could talk about for your listeners that might help uh, as we try to navigate this space of, of digital discipleship and digital uh, ecclesiology and church politics and all that stuff like is this the next frontier or is it simply, you know, a fad that we need to ignore? So those are things that I've been wrestling with, guys. Um, and there's different books and stuff that have come out in the last two years. And um, yeah, I think there's been an overwhelmingly negative response, though, from Christians. So I'd be curious to know what you guys think. And then we can have some back and forth. Yeah, um, I definitely think it's negative. The whole 2020 coronavirus thing and, and, and lockdowns and isolation of people was very bad. We had lots of suicides. We had families breaking up. We had relationships splitting up um, for many reasons. Definitely had an impact on mental health. Yeah. Uh, whether it was whether it was the virus, whether it was blue versus red, whether it was whatever. Um, and I think pushing people towards this where they're got their goggles on and they're doing everything virtually, going to concerts, going to meetings, going to work, living in a new virtual house. Um, really, all that does is create more isolation. Hmm. Why leave the house? You can go anywhere in the world sitting on your couch. It also destroys community. Exactly. So I'm I'm kind of on the fence with this. I, I, I'm not yet taking the position that it's good or it's bad. But I definitely see kind of how Joshua mentioned it's a medium and whether it's used for virtue or vice is is up to the user. But I will say there is definitely an agenda behind all this, because if you look historically, communities were formed around locations. Well, now that you have this virtual ability, you can create community across the world almost instantaneously with a simple search and connect with people who are going to think exactly like you do. And who will not challenge you and will make it comfortable for you to not have to grow. I completely agree. Um, and and there, there is a part of me that looks at this and says, that's pretty cool. You know, I can go to a, a friend's house and we can like, I can be a lion. He can be a panda. We can, we can play, you know, <laughs> we can be whatever we want and wherever we want. We can go to parties and they have hats you can put on. And, and that would be, it would be honestly very fun. And I get that. But the problem is that you have an, a vast amount of people out there with extreme addictive personalities that are already consumed by the world. And when you put them in, I've played virtual reality games. I'm feeling personally attacked by that comment, Jason. It's <laughs> Virtual reality can be all-encompassing. Um, well, you, you kind of got to look at the history of it, too, because if you go back to ideas like Second Life, are you familiar with what that platform mm-hmm. was? Okay, yeah. so yeah. virtual avatars and creation of worlds and property and NFTs and all this other stuff that's just kind of slowly creeping up all at the same time. And then you add to that the world, uh, you know, games like World of Warcraft that are just massive in scope and, and, and uh, player base. And then you look at each of these different um, worlds, like think Harry Potter or even a James Bond universe or a Star Trek universe or a Star Wars universe. You could literally bounce between these and be constantly entertained all day, every day. Exactly. There are cases where this addiction that you kind of mentioned that there were people who were so engrossed in their video games. I'm thinking of one story in particular from a few years ago with World of Warcraft where the guy didn't disconnect and literally died because he didn't eat enough. He didn't get, get enough, uh, you know, uh, sustenance. He just, wow. Just, he literally played himself to death. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, wow. World of Warcraft. I see what you did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's certainly yeah. an extreme case, but um, yeah, I, I think uh, from my perspective, I, I really think that it, it, it's a synthetic community. I, I believe we mature and grow when we're one-on-one with people and when we're connected face-to-face. Um, there's there's accountability, there's emotion, there is the ability to go you know back and forth. There's a, a reality uh, check when you're when you start to move things into a virtual realm, you lose that one-on-one connectivity. Um, you know, we look at the the early church model for growth, and we see a lot of heavy one-on-one, heavy uh, you know face-to-face 
interactions, meeting at the temple every day, meeting in the homes. And I think that, uh, you know, if, if, if our society is moving and it is, we are moving towards having friendships instead of face to face and going to coffee shops and coming to homes. Now we're on Facebook and those are not, they're virtual relationships, literally virtual. It's not that you're just going online. You're missing a lot of what the relationship has to offer. And you're only getting a, just a taste um, even texts versus phone uh, conversation. I remember when I was a kid, you know, and I, I had friends, I would talk to them for hours. You get a lot more in the relationship out of a phone call than you do a text. And so I think what we're doing is we're backing we're backing out of the relational realm and the community realm into a lot of surface stuff. And so we're going to have surface relationships. Right now we have, I, I think that's what the world is built on. Uh, we are built on surface relationships and we are relationships challenged. Yeah. And the more we get into this virtual world, I, I fear we're going to move more and more into that relationally broken society. And the more we're relationally broken, the less growth. Because, you know, face it, when God created Adam, he says it's not good for man to be alone. He knew that we needed people, you know, in our face to help us, hold us accountable, to grow. Without that, I think we're going to be in a world of hurt. That's my take on it. Yeah. yeah. I have uh, two, two counterpoints to that. So, if you look at technology back before cars, you know, back when we were mostly an agrarian society, um, just kind of starting into the industrial revolution, you would connect with somebody at church. That was your main place to go to really meet people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes you go to the store with your parents, but usually as a family, you would meet and connect at churches. That was the the weekly gathering point. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, you would communicate with each other by letter, you know, and you'd have to get to know each other very slowly. The funny thing is, is in some ways, we're kind of going back to that because I'm, I'll give you an example. I met my wife over the internet and before we even connected for the first time, we spent over a month just kind of talking to each other uh, uh, by, by way of the, the app and then eventually by phone and then finally by meeting. So that, that actually kind of has a little bit of an old timey approach to it. And to that end, i I know several people who've met friends or uh, best friends and or spouses through all of these video game platforms and, and the communities that come with them. So, well, however, I would counter that counter saying, you're right. It's you start that way, but your, your relationship didn't end there. It didn't, it didn't just stop in the virtual world. It actually moved towards the face to face. And that's where you develop the marriage. You know, a lot of things have happy endings like that. However, Mm -hmm. there's been little girls that meet child rapists through the internet too. That's that's true. You know, and then you put them, you give a little, a little couple little kids, a VR glasses in this guy over here who's got a sick twisted mind of VR glasses and they meet at some party and the next thing you know bad things happen bad things happen well I'm, I'm gonna give you a real life example I was counseling a person who basically um, is a has a let's just say mental handicap mm-hmm. and he uh, learned Facebook created a Facebook account and basically had women that were connecting with him and he didn't know what to do. So he was just like, you know, oh, they're trying to be friends. Great. And so he would accept their friend requests. And the next minute uh, he's in his room and they are taking their clothes off and trying to get him to do the same thing. And they're, do- they're doing sexual things and asking him to do the same thing. And he's like, uh, I, I, am I supposed to do any, luckily he, mm-hmm. you know, we coached him and he finally has learned to say no to these things, but it was a mess. It yeah. was a mess. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And it all started on in the virtual yeah, world. And, and even, um, with VR and this has been going on a while, um, there's a company called, I think it's Halodex. Um, I was at a conference on sex and technology and um, they were one of the sponsors of, of the conference. And it was basically like VR, um, but you could also watch pornography um, in the background. So these these guys that developed it were uh, video game developers. And um, they like just jumped on kind of what you're talking about. And uh, if you even look at the porn industry today, it's it's mostly cam girls. That's, that's what most mm-hmm. of the people want is... Mm-hmm. Which is odd, right? Because it, it's saying hey, versus like just regular hardcore pornography, you just watch two people do a sex act, right? Or some resemblance of, of sex. And um, with cam girls, it's like you're, you're trying to build a relationship. There's a little bit of you interactivity know, it, there. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a brothel, a virtual brothel in a way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, they're, they're selling that experience, uh, like the girlfriend experience type thing. 
And even with robotics, that's kind of what the point is, is to, to, to build a intellectual and emotional relationship with a sex toy. And so, you know, it, it's like they they kind of see a need and they completely miss the point uh, and like how to uh, fulfill that desire and, and even what the cycle of desire is, because it's not just you know, from point A to point B. And and that's why we don't just, you know, marry a woman or, you know, find a partner. We, we want to continually build that relationship and, and go through, we don't just have sex one time, right? We, we have courtship and dating and in multiple interactions with our spouses, because it's, it's a continual thing, right? Uh, and that's why these interactions like with cam girls, I think it's such a, a massive industry is because, you know, maybe maybe they're in a, a good relationship and, and maybe they just for whatever reason want to go outside their marriage or maybe they are in a dysfunctional relationship. Maybe they're, you know, like your friend who is is infirm or, you know, whatever it is. Um, we, we have these addictions to technology and we have these addictions to different media. So, you know, it's not like it's all bad. Right. And so even go back to the metaverse, it's not all bad. Right. And, and like, uh, Jason was saying, I believe about, um, yeah, with the uh, child and being taken advantage of like those things happen and they, and they will happen, you know, and that's why we need to be big on, uh, legal protection for children and those type of things and making sure that they're, they're in a safe space. But I, I do think, yeah, but I do think there's some positives to it. Okay. Maybe not so much in, in Facebook's metaverse, but I do think somebody's going to come along and, and figure out a way to uh, adapt this technology without all of the, um, the greed that is going to be attached with the metaverse and, you know, taking away all the cryptocurrency stuff and, and all that stuff. Um, just talking about trying to connect people. Let's just center in on that for a second. You know, we talk about virtual friendships and we talk about virtual this or uh, uh, ministry online. Like it's not a real thing. But then I go to places like lifechurch.tv with Craig Rochelle and others who have like the ma- this massive platform for uh, online church and even uh, there's a, a family down the road from my church. They 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 go to an online church, and they're they're former church members here. But you know something happened, and it's part of their past, and they've decided, and they've had some health issues as well. Uh, in, in recent years, because of COVID, like a, a lot of couples have decided to go that route. And they have serious health issues and serious concerns about interacting. And, and you know, I, I pushed really hard when this thing first got off the ground. Like, you know, I think I think this is a faith thing as well. Right? I, I think God's testing us in this. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I think it's real. Uh, I think we could be cautious. But, man, I, I can't. I'm not going to give up on my life. And I'm not going to give up on the life that I'm leaving for my children. But all that to say, you know, I, I think there's some benefits to it, you know, and, and I I don't want to just say, well, forget you, you know, like I'm, I'm done with you and I'll wash my hands of you. I want them, I want them to be ministered to as well. And if they choose not to be a part of this body, then I want them to be connected. Now, will I, you know, snarkly say, uh, I don't know if that's a word, but, you know, will I be snarky and say, you know, well, is Charles Stanley going to come to the hospital when you have surgery? No, he's not going to, is he, you know. <laughs> Is he going to bring you groceries? You know, he's not going to do that, you know. And Well, so you're touching on a very important point here. It's not that this stuff is necessarily bad. It can be an enhancement. It can be something that you can use when necessary. But I think we have to be careful to look at it as a replacement. And I think that's where everybody seems to be going. They're looking at it immediately as a replacement. And like even with Nate's example, uh, he met his wife virtually, but it didn't stay virtually. It moved to a real one-on-one, face-to-face relationship. If we look at, you know, going back to even to your, um, what was it, what did you call them, cam girls? If we understand that that even itself, and I don't want to be gross here, but that's fake. I mean, it really is. Another word that we can use and substitute for virtual is fake. It's not 100% real. And so they're not really connecting with anybody and they're not really going to have sex with anybody. And like, much like- I give you a better word. It's deceiving. There is an aspect of truth. Just just an 
aspect of truth in this. Yeah, it's, it's you know, virtual is the best word if we understand what that means. It's not real. It is, I guess fake isn't really the right <laughs> word. Y'all get what I mean. I can't come up with another word for virtual. But, you know, in a church environment, for example, I do see benefits if you have no other choice, if it's, you know, your only alternative, if you're laid up in a hospital or whatever, I'd rather have you be on, on, on an online church than to not go to church. But at the same token, uh, church is not something to go to. It's something to be a part mm-hmm. of. And I don't believe we're ever going to fully grow and develop and be the Christ followers that God called us to be unless we are in the game one-on-one with people. And so if we look at it as a replacement, even, you know, even unless it's a really, really short-term thing, I think we're going to, we're still losing out. Yeah. We're still missing the mark. You had a message about that this weekend, um, really about church is not just something you're supposed to go to for what you are supposed to get out of it. You're supposed to give. Right. Like we have our spiritual gifts and we're supposed to plug in and serve and love on, on the, the, our fellow members. And this virtual world removes that responsibility. Right. And that is attractive to people because of our human nature. Right. And I can only imagine when we get into a virtual metaverse, just how just how much is this going to completely destroy our ability to have real and good and solid relationships? Right. And then and then with the with the metaverse, these people that you're connecting with, when I when I go to church on Sunday and I have a small group of people that I have to face on a regular basis, I'm going to be cautious in the advice I give them. I'm going to be cautious about everything because they're going to hold me accountable. I'm going to hold them accountable. There's accountability in our lives. I'm going to see them from day to day. Whereas when you have a virtual church, you're not going to see these people. You can give them advice that, hey, if it doesn't work out, oh, well, I'm not hurt. You know, There's not that built-in accountability that I think is vital for our spiritual growth. I think even um, there's research on how our brains navigate digital versus embodied space right and, and so you know i i try to hold this intention because one I, i've made real friends i was like real virtuous friends that i have made uh on digital in digital spaces you know twitter and stuff and you know. like yeah you know like that that's real to me mm-hmm. that's that's a real friendship i think and there are people across the world and you know supporting me and encouraging me like i feel that I receive it and I give it, you know, and so I think that's real. And that's the best part of these digital medias and stuff. I get, I, I value that and I encourage that, but it, it can also like any technology. And I think this is what's so critical to understand about the metaverse or whatever we're talking about is technology at its core is a spiritual thing. It is trying to accomplish in a, a spiritual end. And, and I think many ways technology is a prayer. Like we were hoping to get something out of it. Right. And so, with with robots or with AI or the metaverse, virtual reality, whatever it is, it, as long as we hold it in its proper place, understanding that it it will never replace anything that we're we're hoping. Like it's it's not gonna you know having a digital girlfriend, you know, that's, that's a real big in Japan right now. Um, is that going to replace the real relationships and, you know, and children? I, I don't think so. Right. It's, it's going to come to a head. It and can be a band. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it can, it can do things for sure. And, um, and, and you, we can use technology to, to help and to supplement. Um, and I think virtual reality church for all of the negatives that we've heard about, I think it can have some real positives. And, and I think we're going to have to navigate that space sooner than later, uh, because all of the literature coming out, at least from people in my confession, as far as like Baptist life, it's so overwhelmingly negative, but here's the problem with that. I understand the critiques, I understand the concerns, but my question is, you know, who are we cutting out of this conversation, right? If we're trying to be, uh, if we're trying to accomplish the Great Commission, right? Every tribe, nation, tongue. Uh, let's let's just take an example. What if I can disciple a pastor in China, um, and this is the safest way for me to disciple him? And what if what if a pastor in an underground church in you know a communist country, like what if they can meet and, and have church and in real connection, but they can't physically meet? And I think likewise during COVID, there were people who were dying um, in ICU wards. I had a deacon pass away last year, I could not physically go see him, couldn't touch him, couldn't pray with him, 
Um, you know, he, he died in isolation and, you know, I, f- I feel like the hospitals took that away from him. They took that away from so many people that they, mm-hmm. they were not physically able to see their loved ones before they passed. And, and I don't know, something just broke in me. And maybe that's why <laughs> I've gone off the rails with some of this stuff or whatever, but it just hurt so deeply that I couldn't be there with my friend and, and others couldn't be there with their mom or with their dad or with their child. You know, and I don't know, this is not the same. It's not the same, but, you know, it's something. And so with with technology. Were you able to connect with him virtually? No. Okay. No. But obviously that would have been better than nothing. That would have been better. Yeah. I would have loved to tell him one last time. I love you, you know, and um, he was also my neighbor. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it's been hard, you know, and we we see those those really hard losses um, and the denial, like we didn't really get to process anything that happened. Um, and, I, and I think some some type of, and now some hospitals did, they let people FaceTime, but you're at the discretion of the nurses and the ICU workers. And so, right. you know, and um, hospital policies and that kind of thing. Right. We had a, yeah, yeah we did have a person that uh, went to our church that actually passed away during the first round of COVID and we weren't able to connect and it was just not a good situation. So I, I totally get that. And I, and I think what you're saying there is, and I, and I totally agree personally that uh, all the, anytime we can use technology when there's just no other options, then obviously it's a good thing. I, I just fear that we are going to get lazy. And I, I think when we, you know, get lazy, well, okay, I, I could drive down to the hospital, it, it, but now I'm not going to do it because we don't have to. And I'm certainly, mm-hmm. the, I, I know that's not what you're talking about, but when there's no other options, then certainly I would certainly, I would say it's good to use all technology that you have available to you. Yeah, that's the virtue and vice he was talking about earlier. It's all right. to the individual and the intent. Right. You know, uh, this this won't happen, but it should. But here's a couple of thoughts. One, there should be restricted time in the world. Mm. Uh, you put your glasses on. You jump into the world and you have an hour, and then the timer runs out, and you're not allowed in anymore. You have to leave. You and have that now. Well, I mean, if you said it, yeah, if you said it, it should be something that's basically Managing. automatic. Yeah, that's basically for children. Yeah, yeah, children it, it should be for adults. <laughs> and here's another thing, you know, like on Facebook groups, for instance, they have monitors, people mm-hmm. that monitor the groups to make sure people aren't in Christian groups uh, speaking false teachings and blasphemy and and what have you. Mm-hmm. You're talking about accountability, exactly. So I think each of these platforms, each of these rooms, I suppose, um, have need to have a monitor. So mm-hmm. let me give me let me pose you another alternative there, because even if you look on Facebook, in many ways they are silencing Christian voices, even on these tech platforms. Right. Twitter is one of the worst ones entirely, but from my perspective, Twitter is nothing more than a dumpster fire at the begin with. Yeah. I got kicked off Twitter <laughs> twice. <laughs> oh, well, lucky you. <laughs> the second time I shouldn't, the first time is because I, I, I got on Joe Biden, this is right after election. I got on Joe Biden's Twitter and I direct, directly gave him a message that you're not my president. And <laughs> I said some other things. And I hit send. Was this before or after you became a Christian? It, I was a Christian. Okay, just <laughs> I, it wasn't. It wasn't bad. <laughs> it wasn't bad. Uh, I mean, it was bad to them, but it wasn't. It was justified. Let's just say that. All right. That's um, and as soon as I hit send, I mean, immediately, I, a message mm. pop up. You're done, basically. Uh, mm. Oh, okay. Wow, that was quick. That was really quick. Oh, yeah, I yeah. mean, it wasn't like the next day, a couple of hours. It was immediately. There, as soon as the send button got pushed. That's the danger mm. of, of the of the accountability that currently exists external from Christ because you've got a whole bunch of digital high steppers out there that cannot wait to shut you down. Yeah. And, you know, Joshua mentioned, you know, building a one-on-one relationship with an underground pastor in China. China itself is doing everything it can to to defeat that workaround. So mm-hmm. there is a lot of censorship that that's going on and it's yeah. only going to get worse. And I think of the the example Joshua gave and Joshua I'm really sorry to hear about your friend. That yeah. that's not a that's not a good situation and I know it doesn't make you feel any better, but it's it's one that even you said you're not alone in, that this has happened to lots of people. And the Bible tells us that, you know, the love of many will grow cold. And these are the kind of things that can cause your love to grow cold. And I'm 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 just worried about where we're going overall. But I think my concerns because of the fact that this is a platform, I think my problem is with humanity, not necessarily with the platform <laughs> itself. 
Yeah. Right. That's, yeah that's the main point. That's the main problem. Because in, 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 you know, in all actuality, you don't want restrictions and you don't want censorship. The fact is you want people to control themselves, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we don't, you can't go out and buy, you know, a case of uh, beer and then they cut you off. You can buy as much as you want. It's your choice, mm-hmm. you know, and God says, don't do it. <laughs> and so we follow him as Christians. Others do not. And likewise, you know, because we want those kind of freedoms as well. So I, I don't know that censorship and all those things are going to help us because then it's, you know, who's censoring? That's what yeah. you're asking. You know what China yeah. does? China does for TikTok. So the, the endless scroll that we have, um, I don't, I don't have TikTok, but you know, others that, well, I mean, like with Twitter and Facebook, you can just endlessly scroll, right? It's, there's just in the U S there's no stopping you from just scrolling your life away. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but in China, every five to six seconds when you're scrolling, especially for kids, they they send marketed um, advertisements for math, science, and STEAM stuff. So every every couple of seconds of scrolling, you get a hit with an advertisement for, you know, this camp or this. Um, and, and I think that's that's a way for them to say, hey, we, we want it's almost like a, a jolt, right? Say, hey, look, the, you've been on here a while. <laughs> like, maybe you want to do something else like uh, it's and it's made to be addictive, right? With any technology, we, we don't build things so that you won't use them. We want you to use this technology, we want you to, you know, be immersed in it and, and those type of things. And and like I said, it's it's all about and, and not that I say I agree with China's restrictions. <laughs> and stuff like that. But I understand, I think some of the heart behind it is they want to produce a certain type of citizen, right? And so we have to think likewise, you know, it's not that we're taking away anybody's freedom of speech or that we're trying to, you know, restrain anybody. So I, I fully believe you should be able to believe and say whatever you want within a proper context, right? You know, uh, I don't believe in hate speech and that type of stuff. But, you know, if you want to hold outlandish conspiracy theories, that's, you know, you, you have that right to believe those things. And, and you know, and I, more power to you, I guess. Uh, but at the same time, like uh, with my kids and, and other people's kids, like I want them to not spend their whole life in an endless scroll. I want to have something to remind them like, Hey, there's like other things happening in the world outside of uh, these platforms. There's, there's other things happening and other things you should value. And so I think there is something to that, that um, like we're missing out on, I think in some ways uh, in the Christian community, especially like speaking into this technology and its development because we're so uh, pessimistic about, and, and Nate, you, you hit the, the nail on the head, man, when you said, it's not that I'm, you know, have a negative view of technology, but of, of people. And, and that's what it is. I think we, we wrap our anthropology, our, our understanding that no, no one is good. Right. And yeah. we impose that or transpose that onto technology. They no technology is good. But it's not quite the same. And I'm not trusting that people are going to use technology for good just automatically. Right. And that's why I I research the things that I do is because I want to ensure that there's some safeguards in place. Um, I want to be on that side of the argument. But at the same time, I have to be careful and not just say it's all bad. Like all robots are the Terminator, you know, and like (laughs) all be back. (laughs) <laughs> there has to be uh, a Christian voice speaking into those circles. And I think what's happened, like it's been so discouraging um, for my journey is that a lot of Christian voices won't even hear it. They won't speak to it because of their anthropology, I think. And they don't value, but we're missing out, not just on speaking into these platforms, but we're, we're missing out on a huge piece of public theology because we're not in the public square, right? We're, we're like intentionally forfeiting our, our right to speak into these issues and, and have them shape and reflect our values because that's what technology is. It is it is made in our image, right? And so we we've got to speak into it somewhere, right? And we and I'm thankful for um, guys like Daryl Bach and Jonathan Armstrong who wrote a book called Virtual Reality Church. It just came out last year. It's, it's really well done. Um, and and they they talk about this all these issues with the metaverse and stuff. They uh, Metaverse wasn't quite out yet, but they they still address uh, VR church and and how we could use it for good as a supplement and not as a replacement repurposing um, embodied church and, and no technology ever has fully repurposed you know human to human interaction right it it just doesn't 
No one would say a FaceTime call. No grandparent would say a FaceTime call fully, you know, replaces the hug of their grandchild, right? You, you smell their hair, you, you touch them and you grab them, they run to you, you pick them up. There's, there's nothing that's going to replace that, uh, at least in my opinion. I agree. But, but a FaceTime call, like when my family and I were living in British Columbia, 2000 miles away from the grandparents, like it was, it was really nice to have that ability to, to FaceTime grandma. And it was, it was a way for our young daughter at the time to uh, build in a, a visual connection to her grandmother, you know, her only well, not her only grandmother, but the only grandmother that was that's in her life. And so, you know, we don't just say, no, FaceTime's terrible and Apple's terrible. And, you know, like right. we, we've got to have some give here. We, like, we've got to. Yeah. We got to understand that there's there's some gray area that we're working in. And so with the metaverse, too, um, I think the first step is just having these conversations like, you know, what's how does the church, the local church, everyday church, um, everyday folk, how, how can we use this for the good of the kingdom and, and really trying to have those conversations and, you know, I've been surprised, like some of my senior adults who who've been very adaptive to certain technology. You know, we use uh, right now media, which is like uh, the the Netflix for Bible studies. And, you know, I was like, you know, trying to push into some more of this digital technology. And it's a great platform. And, you know, they have iPhones and and some of them don't. But man, my, my widows who have iPhones, it's so awesome because we text all the time. Right. And and no, that's that's not the same as sitting with them and drinking coffee and all those things, but because of health issues and concern over spreading COVID and other things like that was just really nice to have a way to, to text him. And, and one of them texts me every other day, like, how can I pray for you? And, uh, and like this lady's in her late eighties <laughs> and, you know, I have some guys in their thirties and forties who aren't that great at texting and she uses emojis and everything, man. And so <laughs> it, right on. She, she's got a kingdom mindset to her. She's like, how can I, you know, be the most effective in reaching the most amount of people so I can pray for them. And, and she does that every week, you know, and, um, and it'd be nice to be able to FaceTime some of them. And uh, it's it just because I have concerns, like I don't want to go over there and then give them COVID or, you know, give them strep or, you know, the stomach bug. And then, you know, they're done. Right. You know, and so it's just been a fine line uh, pastorally to to kind of try to walk and you know, we, we kind of go back and forth uh, with how much technology do we want to integrate? Um, our our in-service worship numbers, you know, dropped off a cliff, but then our online activity, you know, multiplied and it does every week, right? And so there's people from, which I, I'm not like, I've, I've had these debates with all church members, like, do we, do we do a Facebook live service? I hate Facebook. I don't, you know, I don't <laughs> even have a Facebook profile anymore. And, I don't like how they use my data. And so those those are the questions that we have to ask too, right? What's what's going to happen when we we plant a VR church? And then am I protecting my flock? Not because of the addiction stuff. And, and that's that's a, a legitimate conversation. But are is there privacy being violated? Is there informational privacy being violated? You know, or, you know, I, those, those are the questions that I have, like, as, as far as the ethics of it. And, and I'm more concerned about that than I am people being addicted to it. I don't I don't think for the most part, you know, like people who who are going to die playing. Wow. You know, they, they have their own Problems. psychological issues yeah. that need to be dealt with. You that's know? true. It's going to play itself out somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, most people have some kind of self-control. Right. I mean, just the other day, actually, I was. Sometimes I'll, I'll get on YouTube and start watching shorts mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. th that can, you can find yourself two hours later and you're still watching these things. It's like, Oh my gosh, I just burnt two hours of my life for right. nothing. And mm -hmm. so I got on there the other day. I, I watched one and then it flipped to another one and I was laughing and I flipped to another one and it was pretty funny too. And I, I flipped to another one and I'm like, you know what? I'm getting off here before I get sucked into the shorts and I'm here for two hours, you know, so I jumped off quick. But, you know, one thing that Joshua, you mentioned was there, there are positives that can come from this and they, and that these positives don't always replace, like they're not the best solution. But one thought I had when you were talking about that is 
how often is good the enemy of great in our lives? Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you apply that to the idea of the technology and where it's going, you can see how it's distracting us. And, you know, if you look at, I'm assuming at your church, it's probably similar where there's a good number of people that on any given Sunday that are playing with their cell phones while you're talking, right? Uh, mm, I don't know. It's such a small church. Like it's... You know, I could, I could spit on some of them if I wanted. To. <laughs> <laughs> I probably we understand. Have, like those who sit to the front, you know, uh-huh. like they want it, they want the spittle to fly. And, um, Out there with the plastic. Like, when I get really, when I get really excited, you know, they they love that. But um, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not so much a problem there. Um, and you know, I go back and forth, guys. Like I do, I do the Bible app on my phone. And I feel like I love, I love books. I love paper. Um, and, but at the same time, the Bible doesn't just notify me, Hey, you know, some mornings it gets busy. Like, you know, yesterday the day started at four 30 and it ended at eight 30, you know, and I didn't get home till late and it notifies me, Hey Josh, you, you didn't, you know, get into the word today. And like, and I need to do that, you know, and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's in my heart and there's, I may have, I've shared scripture with somebody that day. I know I did and pray with people, but no, it's like, it's good to have that little jolt. And, and so, man, I'm, I'm just trying, I'm trying to be a positive voice for technology because it's, it's not, it is what we make it. And I, I do believe that. I don't think it's, it's just amoral or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I think on this side of it, guys, we, we've got to really uh, put a, a hopeful spin, I think, on the narrative. We, we've got the doom and gloom stuff. We've, we've got that under wraps. Like we we have enough of that to last us till Jesus comes back. Mm-hmm. But we, we've got to try to start framing this in a way that I think glorifies Christ. Yeah. And, and trying to, because what we're trying to do is promote to a lost and dying world that we have hope within us, right? And so can God not transform anything? You know, he He has relationships to the earth. He has relationships to animals. He has relationships to us. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, we're going to take that to its most extreme end, but I think the way we cultivate technology is a spiritual thing. And I think in some ways, maybe we've we've been guilty of not using it to the best of our ability to glorify God. And, you know, when we only think about it in negative terms and we only think about it as deforming, which I see so many church leaders talking about it that way. And I see so many like prominent leaders who are like, oh, it's it's all garbage. It's all, you know, and I think, you know, you, you're tweeting about this from your iPhone, but you, you don't see the irony that you're using <laughs> social media right. to bash it. social media. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, and I've been hard pressed to find people who will say that it's formative, like it, it's reformative. But I don't know. I think I think the evidence is there. Like it, it's it's not a full on replacement for embodied worship. It's not a full on replacement for embodied relationships. I, I'm not saying that at all. But we I think we've got to make room for things like the metaverse. We have to make room for things like artificial intelligence inside of our our churches. Like it's different. It, it's confusing it's uh beyond our our graphs in some ways but i think we have to make room for it and i think it's going to challenge us um and we've got to think about it we've got to try to frame it in a way that is you know biblically orthodox and make room for it i mean i think that's going to be hard for a lot of people because we've had this long narrative of doom and gloom you know it's microchip season all that type of stuff and you know but and that might be true like sure like can the you know the enemy use it for terrible yeah absolutely and we see it run rampant all the time, but I think it has to go both ways, guys. Like I think if it's it's a if it's a deforming thing, I think it also means that it can be reforming in some ways. And so I can I can use I can use my phone to look at pornography all day, right? I don't recommend that, but I can also use it to read my Bible and I can use it to encourage people and I can use it to check up on people. Yeah. And so let let's and Nate, you said it too, like let's stop just focusing on the object. That that's where we get stuck, yeah, right? It's not the gun that we, kills people. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a tool and, but it's more than that too, because it becomes a part of us. Like how many of you take your cell phone everywhere you go? Mm -hmm. Guilty. Do you you leave it at home? I mean, no, it's it's an extension of you in a way. And And if you do, you feel naked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've turned around and drove 15 minutes back home because I forgot it. 
right? It's yeah, got everything. So, it's got your calendar. It's got everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emails. I think, I don't um, know, guys. I think we've got to, we've got to try wanna, to, to be more positive. Well, I can com- actually, you know, listening to you talk, um, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I had these visions in my head of all the great we can do with this platform. I, I had a vision of my wife with, she was on, on a group chat with a couple of Christian friends. They were talking about, you know, scriptures and, and what's going on and this and that and the other. And they were having a great, like a three or four way conversation. I, I was just thinking how fun would it be to throw on some glasses and hang out in the same room with them? Of course, you're talking to avatars, but you're using your voice and you're seeing each other's emotions with your facial expressions. And it just kind of elevates that whole conversation rather than this words on, on your phone. And another thing I thought is my brain, that's the way it works. But why don't we get our avatars, throw some leather jackets on and jump into a rave, go into the bathroom, change our clothes and hop up on the table and preach the gospel. All these freaks. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an interesting way of looking at it. You know, I mean, there's, there is a lot of benefits to something like this. You can actually put yourself into situations that you normally wouldn't put yourself in. I mean, I'm not going to go to the rough neck, uh, rough side of Columbus, Ohio, and go into some party with a bunch of roughies and and start preaching the gospel to people. But I would do it virtually. Yeah, I, I think the key here is just, you know, is really using discernment. I mean, that's really what I'm talking about. Now, I, I granted, I did preface a lot with, you know, the, I guess what you might call doom and gloom, but I, I think that's called education. And that's really what I wanted to voice, you know, on this particular program is that, you know, it's not a replacement. So don't even start thinking that way. But at the same token, I'm very pro using, you know, if, if we can use technology to God's glory and to the benefit of others, then certainly we want to use it, you know, use it to do that. You we know, can have I, virtual worship practice. <laughs> I can, there I can are certainly times example. when I would say that is very good. I'd re- obviously I'd rather be together as a worship team, but hey, if something kept us from doing that, I'd rather worship, I'd rather practice virtual Virtually than not at all. If so, we do, I'm coming out of the giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, obviously, you know, I'm and I used to use paper Bibles, and you know what? I, I haven't picked up a paper Bible in, and I'm being serious about this. I haven't picked a paper Bible up since the last time I did a wedding, uh, and it was more. I mean, literally, it was more of a prop. I basically mm-hmm. use uh, the phone uh, and my computer because I can find things faster. I can do more research. You know, it's it's just, I think, 100% better. Um, it was a lot harder during the scroll ages. <laughs> it got easier with the paper Bible. And now I've got, you know, digital version, which I think is amazing. So in that case, I think it's better. But at the same token, if it was virtual church, okay, I, it's a great replacement. If if you're ill um, or if if there's some, you know, corona kind of concerns or whatever or other concerns with the elderly, then certainly I'm all about virtual church versus not going to church. And if I can use one platform or another because I can connect with them better, then I'll do it. I would rather do a Zoom and have a Zoom person who can connect with them before and after services than to have say a what was a youtube live where all they can do is just make comments Mm -hmm. so it's i think it's really just discernment and looking to god uh for wisdom but i think shutting anything down without thinking it through and without discernment without praying about it i think it's probably we're shooting ourselves in the foot as a church Mm -hmm. i'll give you a good example of how technology has actually improved christian lives the invent the invention of the printing press actually kicked off the protestant revolution Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. if you look it at was our church history, to print the Bible. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at our church history, technology can be used for good and can have a good application. And I and has yes. I got to thank Joshua for his suggestion. Like, how are we connecting with the persecuted Christian church in in the communist countries? Right. And that's absolutely something we can and should be doing, and probably having a little more effect in. But um, because of all this doom and gloom that that, that Joshua mentioned, I can see how there are underserved markets because of this and Mm -hmm. whether we think it's good or not it's here and so we we have to figure out how do we make this work as best as possible within within the confines of the great commission and Mm -hmm. and just go forth you know you're gonna have to master this stuff yeah i'll give you guys another example um a practical one like you know there's so many different chat bots on 
on your, you know, on the app store or you know, that you can download and we talked about mental health and oh my word, I just, there's just so many cases like, you know, I, I've struggled with depression and anxiety, depression pretty much since I was a teenager, but then anxiety when I turned 30, um, you know, it's, I don't know, just, it just hit me like lightning. And I was like, why well, God, like, you know, is it a faith thing? You know, am I not trusting you? And, and I just went through like a whole year or had panic attacks. And I mean, like real, I was shaking in my bed and thought I was dying type stuff. And, um, and I went through that and, and God brought me out of it. But, you know, right after that, this is six months before COVID, you know, I haven't had panic attack and a year and a half or something like that. And I still haven't had one till this day. Um, and that's a different story. But um, a lot of my friends started texting me like, hey, I'm, I think I'm dying. I'm having heart issues. I'm like, I think you have anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it was. And I mean, like person after person after person. And then COVID happened. And about six months into it, I started, I could just see, I could just see it in their, like, in their discussion, in their posture. Like, this is, this is a, uh, an emotional issue. Like, there's, there's deep psychological warfare happening to people because we don't deal well when there's no endpoint. Right? A, a nuclear bomb could go off tomorrow. And if we had to stay 14 days in a bunker, we'd probably be okay, right? Uh, I mean, just hypothetically. But telling somebody there's there's no end in sight to the virus, like that just has a different psychological impact. Yeah. And so, you know, with chatbots and stuff like that, it's just... My thing is, why aren't we as Christians using some of this technology that uh, mental health is using or uh, these other platforms? Why aren't we making distinctively Christian voices inside this technology? Like, you know, it'd be nice to have, you know, to give my widow somebody that she could have a spiritual conversation with other than, you know, scrolling through Facebook or, you know, and some of them. Like they don't have smartphones. So what a, just like a simple, a simple chat bot, simple robot that could just sit on their desk and, and talk to them and, and listen to them. These are the type of things that I think about that we're missing out on, like very simple, practical things. And um, there are some Christians who are, are working on that, but they're very few. I mean, I know like a handful of them. Um, there's no research. There's no grants. There's no funding. There's almost virtually zero dollars being go to, going to this type of, of research and um, application. And I think we're just missing something because, you know, uh, the mental health status of people has not gotten better uh, in the last two years. I think it's probably about the same, if not worse. Um, and I don't know if you've looked at the research about uh like finally there are psychologists coming out and saying, Hey, it's probably not the healthiest thing for people to sit in isolation. And on top of that, there's addiction. And on top of that, there's um, a massive increase in uh, online pornography viewing. Um, and like um, Pornhub gave away a free subscription, like the first couple months, like they, they just, their numbers, they were bragging about how much they were, you know, just millions and millions and millions of, of views. And then some research came out uh, a couple months ago about how that has dramatically impacted uh, the mental health of so many different people because they're just sitting at home consuming this content and it's not helping. Right. But before this, people were like, oh, yeah, it's great. You know, it's, it's a great way to learn about sex. It's a great way to, you know, love yourself or whatever. Um, and so I think it, in some ways, COVID has done us some favors to understand that, you know, there, there's something to this connection that we share and there's something to embodied relationships. But there's also a massive uh, emptiness to how we're using technology today. Like we could we could reshape it and we'd reuse it, remold it for for very positive things. And, and I don't think that the virus is going to magically go away. I don't believe that. I think there's just too much politics and power and money involved in, in, mm -hmm. yeah, in, inside this. And so we, we have to begin to adapt and modify our approaches to ministry. And I think technology especially like, you know, robots and um, even technically Siri is a robot. Okay. So I'm just talking like practically, I'm not talking about um, advanced robotics here. I'm just very simple things, you know, but there's, there's nothing, there's nothing on the, on the market that is made for us to, to interact with it in a, in a Christian way, right. Other than the Bible app, other than um, like Bible study material, 
And so, um, man, I really hope these conversations begin to launch into computer scientists who are Christians or, you know, machine learning people or whatever, whoever they are. Like you have a real, real mission field here that we're not engaging with, especially with computer science. Like, man, people who are engineers and stuff, this is a huge, even like monetary wise, this is a, a billion dollar industry that is being overlooked. Uh, and I told one robotics company in California that they're like, hmm, you're right. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping and praying like they they take that to heart. Like, um, you know, just think about what Christians could use this technology for. Yeah. And, you know, homeschool parents, um, shut-ins, those type of people, you know, like there's so, so many benefits. Are so, there any resources you'd recommend for somebody who's interested in trying to be a little more proactive or, or a little more uh, positive in their approach to technology and, and how to use it to uh, further their own Christian calling? Yeah. Um, well, not to be overly self-promoting, but my recent book is called Robot Theology. And it's it's about using technology to reexamine the old questions of theological anthropology. And so I think it's a primer. It's a shorter book about how we address AI, especially robotics, um, and begin to ask these questions like, you know, what does it mean to be human? What, you know, what's the extent of rights? Um, you know, what is a person, which relates to my last book, but also what does it mean to be a friend? And, you know, how do we deal with, you know, important issues like racism? And surprisingly, robotics speak into all those issues. Um, and there's also a chapter on pastoral ministry in some ways that I hope AI will uh, be utilized in the local church. So um, I think that's a great primer. Uh, there's others, um, obviously guys like Jason Thacker, um, Derek Sherman at Calvin University. They've, they've got some resources. Courses. Uh, I mentioned Virtual Reality Church. That that's an important book uh, that I would look into. And um, there's others like Kate Ott and Drew, who's written on digital ethics. So there's there's a slow growing base of curriculum that's coming out and that will come out in the days to come. And we just we just have to be willing to sit down and think about these things in ways that we've never had to before, right? And so prior to COVID. If you asked, okay, how many churches have a Facebook live service? It was pretty minimal, right? Maybe a few. Um, right after COVID, almost every church that could do it. I mean, like it's churches in the middle of nowhere here in Mississippi have a Facebook live service now, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a drastic overnight change yeah. that many of us as pastors were not prepared for. You know, we weren't, we weren't podcasters and radio hosts and all these things. And then we had to overnight learn things like OBS and, uh, you know, how to live stream and different things. And man, um, so I, I think that killed the doom and gloom only perspective right there. It should have anyway. Uh, it's still lingering, but um, there's there's so much more to it than Facebook Live. And just I think that just broke the surface. In the same way with the metaverse, it's there's going to be so many better platforms that come out. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there eventually will be a, a Christian only version. <laughs> I don't know what that will be, but um, maybe something we can start. <laughs> hey, if, if I don't you know how to write code, in, though, but <laughs> that's going to be a little problematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to start there. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I might start with a book. <laughs> Sounds like a good market to jump into. As this stuff yeah. gets unrolling. Um, yeah, it's, it's needed. Yeah. Well, programming for dummies is where I would start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean writing a book. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are running out of time, but um, Josh, I'll tell you, I'm so glad you came on and discussed this with us because it really opened my eyes to a whole new view on mm. this world that's coming. And, uh, you know, I was very hard against it when I first heard it coming out. And um, I really have a positive view on it now. I'm, I'm already thinking of so many ways I can use it to grow the kingdom. And um, mm. so I'm definitely going to look a little deeper into using it for the uh, the will of God. And, and, and mm. that's for sure. I think, I think there's some, I think, I think I see, you know, the thing is there's, yeah, it can be a, extremely evil and bad, but so can everything. So can your cell yeah. phone. So can before cell phones. Mm -hmm. 
Um, is, it, is it easier to get into a cult virtually? Probably. <laughs> you can go, I mean, when you're on the internet, there's so many rabbit mm-hmm. holes you can fall in, you know, four hours later, at three o'clock in the morning, you're like, yep. why am I here? I don't even, <laughs> I don't even own an airplane. Um, <laughs> but, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you can go to a virtual party and then, and get invited to an after party and which leads down to some dark paths, I'm sure. But mm-hmm. we, it's like, uh, Rick was saying, we have to just use discernment and know what doors not to open. And, um, so if we, if we can go through this, I know we'll be fine, but the folks that maybe are struggling with control, yeah. uh, they can go, go into this with a little discernment and control. Um, and, and just know that not all doors are meant to be open. Yeah. I got to tell you, us Americans, we're not very good at that. Right. That's true. <laughs> that control. That's so true. true. But if, if it's a, whether it's a virtual door or a door they find on their phone or, or a door they find down in dark alley somewhere, mm. they're going to open it regardless, um, <laughs> if they want to. The gods of the copybook headings comes to mind. If you're familiar with that, um, yeah, it's look it up on the on the internet sometime. It's it's literally called Gods of the Copybook Headings, and it's a, a poem that was written, and I cannot the author escapes me, but it's eventually you have this cycle where all of these teachings that that we know are right and good will come back because eventually you're going to get so far down the path of destruction where you're conquered. Hmm. And it's uh, just an interesting thought. Yeah. All right. So, Josh, thank you so much for coming back on the show and, and having a conversation with us. We really appreciate it. It's good to see you. Yeah. Again. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. I'm just glad we didn't have any tornadoes that knocked us off. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will uh, definitely invite you on again. You're uh, uh, an awesome guy. I'm, we're glad to know you. And uh, good luck down there in Mississippi and hope everything goes well. And we're praying for you every day. And mm. and uh, God bless you. Thanks, guys. Checked. Okay, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Um, sorry, no game or anything tonight. We I thought the conversation really was important to fully flesh out. And um, so I hope you got something out of that. I hope you... Um, think about what you've heard here on the show. Um, a lot of different perspectives. And, uh, I think, you know, this approach, approach this new technology with gentle hands and, um, remember to always put God first and he will lead you down the right path. No matter. Be careful little eyes what you see. That's right. Be careful little ears what you hear. That's right. So with that, that's it. Say good night, Rick. Good night, Rick. Good night, Nate. Good night, Nate. Good night, Josh. Good night, Josh. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) 